Future-Proof Podcast. Redefining the relationship between you and your money. This is the Future-Proof Podcast. The Future-Proof Podcast, hosted by Jam Supernova. Hello and welcome to the Future Proof Podcast, where our aim is to redefine the relationship between you and your money. My name is Jam Supernova and I'm here to dig deeper into the issues we all face with our finances. Today we're looking at generation rent. So what do we mean when we talk about generation rent and what is the reality for young people? So the amount of people renting in the UK has doubled in the last two decades and the average tenant is spending over half of their disposable income on rent. If you mix that in with the ever-increasing house prices and the change in the way work so many young people feel that they'll never get to own their own house so let's introduce our guests we have got Liv Little hello hello and her mom Michelle hello there welcome to the future proof podcast uh, so first off Liv founder of Geldam for those that don't know tell us a little bit about you and Geldam yeah um so yeah I'm Liv um I am 25 I am the founder of a publication called Geldam which is all about uplifting celebrating supporting the creative work and championing uh women and non-binary people of color in an industry that so often does not reflect us um I've worked a lot in tv as well and yeah that's me all round G all round pioneer <laughs> um but we wanted you to bring your mom because we wanted to get a different perspective and mm. see how different generations think and feel about rent um so Michelle Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, my name's Michelle. I'm Liv's mum. Um, I'm a creative person. Um, a background in film production. Um, studied film direction at the National Film and Television School. Did a master's in script writing, the Northern School of Film and Television. Then really went into supporting creative entrepreneurs into enterprise in a project, uh, well, a charity that ran for about a decade from the Albany and Deptford called Head for Business, which was really about empowering creative communities with enterprise skills. Wow, I can kind of see like like mother, like daughter now. Yeah. <laughs> I get it, I understand it. Um, so Liv, what's your current housing situation? Do you rent, do you own? Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> do I own? Uh, no, I rent, I rent. Okay, cool. And, and when did that happen? I mean, obviously, we must have lived together at one point. Yeah, for, for the majority of my life. Um, so I went post-school. Uh, I spent a year, like, doing travelling and working and stuff. And then I moved out because I went to the University of Bristol. Yeah. So I rented there first year in halls, obviously. Kind of grim, but not too grim. Mm. Um, overpriced. And, like, you get, what, like, you get, like, a tiny little bed in a room. Do you remember that movie? I do remember She that. cried so I much. Well, when you took her up there. With the care package of food and all this, like, oh, my gosh, leaving this girl three month, three hours drive away. Yeah. <laughs> How are we going to cope? And but, you coped, fine. Yeah. Um, she was good. She was yeah. good to go. And then I had, and then I had three years, and then I came back for a year. My mum is, like, quite, like, she's quite, like, a serious woman. So she's like, do you know what? You you're you're an adult human um come back get get on your feet have a year at home and then you need to go out fly out of the nest and like figure it out for yourself i have a theory that by the age of 24 you need to be out there because you cannot become too dependent on your parents or it will be very very tough for you to try and stand on your own two feet and was that something that you had learned prior or i I left home earlier than that Mm. um but no it wasn't a case of um, my mum because i grew up with my mum was a single single parent and my mum um not old-fashioned i wouldn't say but she had her rules and regulations about how you do life and after when i was about 22 i just decided enough it's time for me to do my own thing but always knowing she was a safety net 
That's the same and that's thing the with Liv. Yeah, you've always got my safety net, but so don't be fearful. Off you go. I quite yeah. like that. I, yeah. I understand it, and I do yeah. kind of understand there were sort of conversations that I started having sort of at home around sort of 22, 23. It's like, so what's your plan? <laughs> what are you thinking? Yeah. And especially if you live in the family home where there's more, you know, so you've got your siblings mm. and there's a marriage or whatever, mm. whatever's in play. Mm. So I do understand that. Um, has owning a house been an aspiration for you? Um, I think... Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that I would like to do. Mm. I think, like, my idea of, like, how and when that happens has changed, like, as I've gotten older, obviously, given, like, how expensive things are, given how things are being gentrified, given the fact that, like, I was, like, up until two months ago, I was freelancing, which is, it's slightly more instable work. Um, And also then in terms of, like, getting a credit history, I'm learning about all of these things now. But I still would, obviously, I would love, like, it would be nice to own my own house. Whether that's in London, I don't know. But my mum is always, like, that's always been, like, an aspiration, I guess. It's always been something that you've wanted for, like, your children. So I think that's kind of, like... Well, I I mean, it sounds very materialistic, Mm. but I think it it goes deeper than that. It's about their security. I do not want them to experience someone saying off you go or we're going to increase by this amount now what you're going to do I just want them want her to have a sense of security which is based on I'm deciding I'm rooted here no one's going to tell me to move you know no one's going to shit turf me out of London or wherever it might be yeah so for me it's not just about being materialistic it's about having roots and what it means to be able to put down roots somewhere and be secure and stable you know and what sort of conversations then do you have those sort of conversations with your friends like what are oh we yeah we talk about it all the time but I also think me and my friends like for uh, I think ever, people are at different ages and stages and conversations and really in different work and therefore like the prospects of having of like owning your own house is different based on like you know all these factors socioeconomic background and stuff but in terms of like I guess the people that I immediately like work with like and and see and speak to every day we talk about it all the time and like some people are plotting to like save for like x number of years move home like to do that and then like buy a property in like Hastings some people are talking about Margate like it's a balance but we are all we always talk about it and 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 like the ways in which it might happen for us very like very openly and I think it's something that everyone wants but I think there is like a general like sense that it might not be something that is feasible or definitely not in London anyway because Mm. things are increasing so rapidly and I think for a lot of us if we were going to buy in London a lot of people would want to buy in say like South London and like that's Again, that's, that's, it's just, it's so expensive. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the conversation differs depending on which friendship circles you're in. So if you're friends with a lot of creative people, the conversation is slightly different to someone that's a teacher, you know, because they might have that financial stability a little bit earlier Mm -mm -mm. as a teacher than, say, if you're freelancing Mm -mm -mm. in in the arts. Mm. Um, How do you even get a credit? Like, I only found out recently we had this amazing, like, finance woman called, sorry to cut you, called Bola, um, come in and like do a session with uh, like all of the team and it wasn't like about like business finances but it was just about personal finances and like how you get a credit rating and stuff and I was like oh do you not like you not you not get that in part from like your phone bill and she was like no um like these are the different ways and like something that is good to get a credit score is to get like a credit card but like do it in a really strategic way but these these are not conversations that I think like as young people, we really have like about financial literacy and like what that means from a, from an early age, um, and that's that that session had me thinking about okay, so like if there are certain things I want to do, what are the steps that I need to take to get there? And you're like a business owner, you know, and mm. you have staff that you employ. So why was it that you brought in this lady to do a, such a session with mm. the people that you work mm. with? Um, because 
that's her that's her area of expertise you know like I'm been learning about business and finances and yes I have like an overall understanding of those things but in terms of things that span outside of the business context in terms of your personal life and like personal budgeting and like mortgages and debt and you know there are a lot of young people that might have moved out of home really really young and like they didn't have like someone like obviously I had my mum around to be like don't take out loans don't take out payday loans don't take out any kind of debt and things that you can't afford to pay back but I know young people that did move out really early on they didn't have that like familial support and so they did get themselves themselves into a lot of debt and there aren't enough conversations around that kind of thing and and to get like a financial expert in was really important because she has an understanding that goes much deeper than the understanding that I have. I think it's brilliant it's also part of the self-care of you mm. know the people that you work mm. with so when you think about some of the immediate issues that come to hand when you want to go to get a mortgage what are some of the immediate challenges you face Mm, I think um I mean firstly like I don't really know like how the deposit structure works I've just been asking people um but I think is is it like 10 percent you can well the thing is you you have to have a financial history yeah and when you are a freelance you pay your own tax independently then you make accounts every year you declare every year Mm. so a mortgage uh lender is going to say to you, okay, well, do you have two, three years Mm. worth of accounts that we can look at that somehow would give us confidence Mm. that you could pay back whatever, whether you start with 10%, 20%, 50%, you know, whatever amount you're able to put forward from your savings, you're going to have to pay the balance Mm. and they have to have confidence that you're showing through your accounts that yes, you could pay back. Mm. And that's what you quite know? a lot of uh, freelancers, you know, some of the conversations that's been coming up mm-hmm. throughout doing this podcast is as as a freelancer, you know, you do your own accounts, but then mm. you're also you're a bit, you're your own business. Mm-hmm. So you have expenses that you take off, mm-hmm. you know, every year. So sometimes in order to be able to get a mortgage, then you kind of have to omit all your expenses, but you're still a yes. functioning business, still going to affect you di- directly when you mm-hmm. have to pay a big tax bill. Mm-hmm. Um, so Michelle, what's mm-hmm. your housing situation? Um, I'm a homeowner. So um, I, yeah, I own my home. Yeah, when did you buy it? um, This current home was purchased in 2011. Yeah. And it was an auction property. That's another thing that I Which means that it was 10 years of like... It was like... (laughs) Doing it up. Yeah, no, it was a doer-upper, basically. But it was in South London where I wanted to be because I was in zone four. Yeah. And I wanted to move to zone two. So I couldn't afford to just buy in zone two, so I did it via the auction route. And what about your first ever property then? My first ever property um, was back in 1998. And um, I managed to benefit from a right to buy sort of arrangement because I was in social housing before then. And there was this right to buy. And I jumped on the opportunity because a percentage, effectively the deposit, an element of that was put forward. Yeah. So then you just had, just had to pay the, the mortgage from there on. But uh, yeah. And was that something that everybody was doing then? Um, it was available because I was in social housing and it was a scheme that lasted for, I don't know whether it was five years, 10 years, you know, I was a beneficiary of it and I'm so grateful for it. Yeah. Yeah, because it got me on the property ladder. And was there any other options? So let's say if you weren't in social housing, do you think there would have been any other options available for you to buy? Well, my mum, who was my who is my role model, she saved and she took out she used her credit cards and she also was quite savvy in waiting until my brother was of an age where he had a a job and an employment and history and a credit history. So they jointly took out the mortgage, at least in name. Wow. 
but she had to demonstrate she had enough income. So she used my brother's, even though the the idea was never that he would pay for the mortgage. Yeah, she knew she could it. do it, but just to get it on paper, she um, combined with him. So their joint incomes would demonstrate that she would be able to pay off that mortgage. And she took out, she used her credit card. That's how yeah, she, used she would like pull money you know, back pull from different money. things. Yeah, you know, so she was, so she, you could, I think you could, you could do it. It was tough. Yeah, yeah. Because be she was a woman on her quick. own yeah. and she was moving from social housing into a private property that she owned. So it was that willpower and that drive and mm. that, like, how can I be entrepreneurial, ingenious? How can I make this happen? And my mum's one of those people to make it happen because no one's going to necessarily not help yeah, help you yeah. to make it happen. And that's pretty impressive. Know? I guess that's kind of yeah. uh, now kind of where, we where we're at. We've mm. come at a point where the sort of conversation, you read the papers for the last five to ten years, we've been told as young people, you will never get to buy and don't even think about buying in London. That's kind of been like the rhetoric that's mm. been yes. ongoing. And yes. um, the first podcast we did, um, one of the girls that I work with, I was like, what do you think of the podcast? And she was like, I really enjoyed it. And she's like 22, 23. And she was like, but I didn't really resonate with the buying the house part because I'm just never going to get to buy. And that is instantly how she feels. So do you feel that young people, they want to buy a house or do you think that now it's changed that they'd rather live a life of experience? Or? Yeah, I was talking to my mum about this earlier, actually, in terms of, you know, different people have this different like aspirations. And for some people, some people might have to prioritise other things. They might have things going on in their life. Like you never know. But also, yeah, like choosing to buy a house might not be everyone's goal because like you say they might be focused on like wanting to travel or like experience life and not and because you're still locked into paying to paying money back right um I understand like about you know the sense of security and yes it would be like lovely and wonderful to buy a house but I think because the reality of it is is that it's it's a very different climate in which to try and buy a house now from from when my mum was yeah. buying a house like it it is harder so I completely understand if people decide to prioritise other things and continue to rent um, in order to live the life and do the things that they want to do. Um, but, it, but is that security? Because you're saying, you know... Um, that saying it's security. Because I think rent is such an insecure thing. I've got friends, good, good friends of mine, who unfortunately are locked into a situation where they are renting mm. and their landlords are awful, very mm. corrupt. So one year you've got you've taken out this uh, this lease for a year, yeah. and then they suddenly decide, you know what, you now have to pay me X more. So how is that secure? Yeah. That's not secure. That's it's not, not secure, secure, but it's I don't know. Like, I I just don't know what the timeframes are in order. Like for example, if you wanted to buy a house in London, I don't know what the timeframes would be in terms of how much of a runway you would need to give yourself to actually save money to be able to put a deposit down in a house in London. Like that could be. I don't know if you're making like twenty four. You'd have to be saving. I think how, saving from when you're sixteen. Like I, I mean, I think I'd like to see young people be very entrepreneurial about how they go about it, just as my mum was. Yeah. So that friends get together, have your legal agreement. So if three of you are saving for one property, okay, maybe it takes a third 
you know, it's it's a shorter time frame. Yeah, yeah. Be a bit more out of the box in your thinking about how you can make it happen. I mean, I definitely know that if I was, you know, if I am to buy a house, which I with your like, siblings, which, with your friends, with your which I would like to be, that would either be with like you know, one of me and my best friends, one of my best friends have spoken about it. I've spoken about it with Lou. I've spoken about it with my girlfriend. Like, is there you have you would have to do it with someone else. You have to. Do yeah, it with I don't else. think it unless you come into some money, which is a, yeah, is a different, is a different conversation. Thing. Yeah. Mm. But then thinking about like the rest of Europe and mm. you know people go to live in Berlin, people mm. go to live in Lisbon because the rent is reasonable. The rent is mm. reasonable, yeah. but mm. people don't buy there. Mm. Yeah. The nature mm. has been that you just don't buy. So do you think mm. that, people live happy lives? <laughs> yeah. Do you think mm. that's a model that could be applied here then in terms yeah. of like if I, there was more regulations? I mean, it would be brilliant if there was some sort of regulation in terms of the ridiculous rents that people are being charged in London for for living in really small kind of um, close proximity with other people and like substandard living arrangements. I remember even when we were in in Bristol um, from my second year, Ella's room like had black mould like over the wall and she's like someone that has like chest issues and like it was making her really sick and there was just like a lack of willing to fix anything and you do get so many landlords that are completely... They just don't. They don't care. It's they because it's because care. the market favours the landlord. Yeah. Because there is a there's a shortage of residential properties. Mm. Therefore, there's a demand that will always be needed, and they can therefore exploit people the, on that the basis. Wild West. You know. Mm. But there must be some positives to rent in. Do you think? Do you see any positives? Um, I think definitely. I mean, it depends. It depends. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I think that there can be some positives in the sense that you know. A lot of young people, like they might live, like Charlie's lived in this house in Peckham for like a long, long period of time, like maybe like five years and she's lived with her friends and it's nice and they have like a real sense of community and they manage to get like a relatively good deal. So in terms of that thing of being around like other people, different people, like my stepbrother quite enjoys like his current situation with his his flatmates and he really enjoys that experience and he's a got communal like... communal vibe. Communal bi- vibe. He's like really good friends with these Polish girls and they like, he'll like cook his like West Indian food and they'll cook their food and they'll like come That's together. Yeah. Which is really nice right um but then there might also come a point when you don't want to share with lots of people um and I don't know if that's an age thing it could just be you don't want to do that I I like as much as I I like loved living with my friends I also could probably have like not have lived with my friends when you like experience all the mess and the drama and the like all of that kind of stuff it, it it's it's difficult so yeah I think in terms of like the social aspect yeah there is a positive there but I think and there's a freedom surely there's a freedom to yeah. sort of like I'm not bound by paying a mortgage yeah I'm no, going I'm, I'm going to live here I'm, I'm, I'm off I'm going to do, you know, New York well, yeah I'm yeah. going to live here I'm going <laughs> to experience movement, yeah. Yeah. life and develop myself yeah. before I yeah. tie myself down with a mortgage yeah so yeah a I mortgage think so. or a marriage or a mortgage or a marriage yeah do you know what I have neither and I'm <laughs> <Cat>. off yeah. <laughs> or a cat yeah exactly <laughs> and Michelle like, hearing sort of live speaking and, and, and I'm sure you know you, you go out for dinner with her friends or get to know her friends and the sort of conversations that come up how different is your experience of buying to where they're at right now? Um, I do think there are similarities. I know that there's a shortage of property, but I think I can very much relate to being young and thinking about how am I going to make ends meet because I think, you know, it's not just getting the mortgage. You have to pay the mortgage. So it's not like, you know, (laughs) step two, you have to pay the mortgage. You have to live your life and pay your bills. So I, I, I can relate and I do feel... Um, sympathy because it seems like there was more available social housing in my day than there is now. Yeah. And the private rental market was not as, 
I don't know, this beast, you know, it wasn't such a feature in my day. It doesn't feel like it was a council or it was owning, you know, it wasn't so much the private landlord thing going on. So... I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. And what about uh, the price then, the actual price? So when you, how yeah, much I know. Did, yeah, so the second copy, how much did you buy it for to versus like Well, now? Well, this is what, 2011. Yeah. It was 314,000. For a? For a three bed. Go on. In Camberwell. <laughs> in Camberwell. <laughs> in prime time, no, you know. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So... So it's very and much that, different. That, like, the That's not the price of a houses. Flat. Listen. Yeah. And in Campbell, I was looking at like one or two bed houses and you're looking like £400,000 for a flat. Yeah. Yeah. And then who did you talk to for advice? So when you were saying, you know, back in the 90s when you wanted to buy, you know, did you talk to your mum? Yeah, my mum's really quite savvy. Very savvy woman with her head screwed on. So I will always run things by her and say, what do you think? What do you think? You know, um... Yeah, my mum's a good person. Yeah. But also, I think that whole thing about financial literacy and just genning up yourself on how you could possibly do things, you know, there's a lot of information out there. Mm. You know, there is a lot of information. And now with social media, I'm sure, you you know, there's an opportunity there for people to be encouraging one another yeah. in terms of just how you can go about doing it. Yeah. You know, there's there, lots of different ways. I think there is, like, lots of information, but I think sometimes because there's so much information, people can feel quite mm. confused, which mm. is why, like, I mean being in that room like with the team and having someone that that can just answer specific questions that you have and offer her kind of expertise as someone that works with a lot of people on financial literacy mm. that was really powerful and I think people got uh, people took away so much from this little hour-long session and at Black Girl Fest I heard that she similarly did a session and like everyone was saying oh my god this was one of the best sessions ever so I think there's something about like actually having a forum and a space for people to like speak mm. to someone about it yeah which is really beneficial as well and what are some of like the life like money lessons that you've given live along the way? What are some of the things like do's and don'ts? Well, I've I've always encouraged her not to have a credit card. As much as she's saying you can get a credit history with a credit card. But I need card. one now, right? No. Mm, I've I really I've, I've made told. my mistake with a credit <laughs> card when I was probably Liv's age and I've never resorted to a credit card. But I've got family members who really are quite savvy, who use their credit cards very wisely, so they clear it at the so end of the month. you think it's about knowing how so to use the credit card? knowing how to yeah, use that's, the that's, credit that's, card that's rather the... than being prescriptive, you must never or you should yeah. or you shouldn't. You know, right. it's it's about really being able to use it in a way that's going to help you, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I guess is with the current climate is like, yeah, you have to prove that you have credit. Like, has it changed? Like, say before, was there other ways to prove credit? Like, how... Well, your utility bills, for example, yeah. you know, obviously... Can't use that now. You don't use it now. Like, well, Bola was just saying that, like, those things will have. I keep saying Bola. I'm like, Bola, Bola, bye, Bola. Finance Bola, yeah. <laughs> was just saying that, like, yes, those things can kind of contribute, and it obviously it differs on a case by case, but in terms of, like, because I was like, oh, you know, I've been paying my phone bill since I was 16. So, mm. and she was like, yeah, but you kind of need a little bit more than that. Your overdraft facility, up. overdraft facility at the bank is, is equally something that proves your ability to. I need to check what my credit does. score is now. Yeah. Those things are part of your credit record. So I guess it's trying to like, like you said, gen yourself up to find out what are the ways in which you can prove prove your yeah. credit. For a lot of people, rent payments are the biggest payments that they make out of their salary or out of their monthly, you know, income that goes out, but it's not actually recognised towards their credit score. Do you think that? Like, what do you feel about that? Yeah, I think that would be a really, really incredible thing 
to count towards your credit score. I think especially if you're like a freelancer and you're in like unstable work, I think it would be brilliant to have something like having your rent count towards that um, to prove that you've got a, a track record. I, I was under the illusion that things like your phone bill and stuff could count towards your credit score. And I think they can in a very, very small way. Um, but if you want to see your credit score go up, I've been like told that it's more effective to have a credit card and like sort of pay it off as you're spending it monthly. Um, but yeah, that would be brilliant if, if rent could be counted towards it. I know some local authorities where they recognise your rent payments um, as part of building a track record for you to be considered for alternative, larger, different accommodation. Mm. And if you don't have a track record of frequent payment yeah. or on-time payment, then it counts against you. So in some ways you could say they are recognising your payments as credit for your for you to be rehoused or move up. And then I guess if we all knew from the beginning that your rent was going to go towards your credit score, you wouldn't kind of you would you would know you, you need to, to stick to it, you mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. So important. Mm -hmm. Have you given her any advice along the years about saving or what to spend on what oh, not yes. to? Oh yes, we do talk about saving, and I've been encouraging her to put her money into the ISA that I've got a help to buy. ISA. Yeah, the help to buy right. ISA. Little things and, and seeing yourself as someone who can. Mm, that's I think the that's first the block. first step. Mm. Seeing yourself mm. as someone who can. And mm. I think if you are coming from a background where you've never seen anybody do it, do it just like a degree, I suppose, it's a big step. Yeah. But, you know, you've got to, it begins with seeing yourself as someone who can. And I guess it's starting off small. So maybe in those beginning days when you're just starting out doing the job that you want to do, mm -hmm. but, you know, money is tight can you put a tenner away a month exactly. and, and start and start yeah and, and things increase like when I first started in media on like I don't know if it was 19k or 20k like that there wasn't not probably much that you would that you'd be able to save on that but yeah. like as as you get you know and that's the thing you can only get better we can only get better yeah um, and it's a habit it's developing a habit right. of saving or isn't it yeah, 100%. So sometimes people will think, oh, I need loads of money to save. No, you don't need loads save of money to save. Save one pound. Yeah. yeah <laughs> save no, 50p. No, it's true. It's, true. Yeah. it's not about the amount. It's the habit, developing a habit yeah. that's going to be fruitful for you in the future. See, yes, wise anything, words, Michelle. Yeah. You've, got, you've got all the wise words. Yeah, anything like for me now, anything that I make, which is like over and above, like, well, I've, it's the first time I've had like a salary from our work for the last two months or mm. three months two months um and like anything that i'll do which is outside of that obviously just goes into um so like you've got your base this is what i need to live off yeah this is what i this is my pay my rent what i need to live off and then anything that you earn on top of that away from that salary it goes into another account you don't touch it yeah yeah and then also obviously because with that stuff it's freelance you also have to make sure that you've got your 20 percent of for tax yeah for tax, which you don't normally need all of it but you need to make sure that you potentially have it so at the end Again. of the year you're not like Where's the money? Yeah, 100%. And then thinking about, you know, the sort of, I guess, the the world of the internet mm -hmm. and the apps coming out and things mm -hmm. like that, is there any advice that you give to Michelle mm. about where our money? Um, I don't know how you, like, track your spending and stuff. To be honest, I'm not amazing at it, but I do have an app via a bank. So do I. <laughs> His name I won't mention. Um, and, like, you can, like, put budget... Um, you can set budget limits for like your food, for like your going out, for your general expenditure and like it will monitor that and tell you when you're like close to hitting the, the target and that's the same app that pretty much everyone in my office uses and pretty much all my friends use. Right. Uh, um, I feel like it's the most common kind of bank mm. that people are using these days which is really, it's useful sometimes, it's like it's not nice to see but it is useful to see where you're um, 
you're going what you're spending. And, Seeing it is yeah. the hardest part. I definitely think that. So you were talking about, um, you know, how you save and things like that. Mm. So what are you doing, I guess, now to get yourself in a position within the next, you know, five years, you could be able to buy a property? Um, like I say, just putting 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 any extra money like aside um we're all on like pretty modest salaries <laughs> to yeah. begin with so it's not like a, anything it's not it's not like a crazy amount um but yeah definitely just putting putting all of that money completely aside in one account I've got like a help to buy ISA which I put like a regular amount into every month I put like I think the cap is 200 pounds or something yeah. that you can put in and then if you like once that gets up to a certain amount I think the max is 12k they'll give you 3k so that's like 15,000 pounds that you would have saved um and then in terms of my other account that's what I will use to put other work so then hopefully there'll be something to top up from that um but I don't I'm like I'm I would really love to like live in London and I and I think ideally for me I'd probably if I was going to live somewhere it would be South London or I really love around Victoria Park but like obviously mad houses yeah yeah. like multi-million pound houses but it's pretty pretty um but then like going to Margate last weekend and speaking to my friends who did manage to get somewhere it did kind of make me think oh well maybe there's a way to do it so you spend some of your time commuting in and out but like in the next two years or three years or even I can't imagine me not being based in London for the work that I do so it's kind of it it's hard to see whether that could work and I know for me if I'm going out on like a on an evening and I kind of have events most evenings like you don't then want to travel like two hours back home necessarily yeah so thinking about the solutions so obviously yeah. you've got the help to buy yeah ISA you can c- collaborate with friends yeah that's definitely I think something that is happening so much more often yeah 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 if you are in a couple and you feel that it's the right thing to do maybe yeah. you might want to buy of your partner and I guess because of the current climate people are buying sooner than they would normally you know yeah. it could be with someone for 10 years you might be in a relationship for yeah, a few you years. you move in with them yeah. straight away. Like, you rent. You save on your rent. You move yeah. in. You find your boyfriend. You find your girlfriend. You find whoever it is. And you, you move in. Uh, I didn't do that with my girlfriend. I love you. Yeah, but it's not a stretch to be like, two years later, we can buy together. We've yeah, already rent, exactly. renting exactly. together. Yeah. Um, and then the other option, of course, is potentially looking out, outside of outside of not just London, but, you know, further afield or looking at different pockets of places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, away. my friend's son just started work. He hasn't been working for two years and he He's just bought in Glasgow because Glasgow is so like nice. the the one of the most reasonable places to buy property. But he works there, and the houses are actually they're so stunning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love it. Beautiful, yeah, beautiful, yeah. big. It's yeah. just the, it's just the weather. <laughs> and it's also like five hours away, right, on the yeah, train. You can fly. You can fly. <laughs> you can fly into city. There are <laughs> options. That is what we are saying. Unless I feel like unless like I'm the whole of my community or like just like a group of like black people migrate to Margate, <laughs> like actually migrates. I feel like I'm I, I'm like mm, can I do? That? I don't know. It's getting there. I know it's a couple of. There, um, yeah. yeah, POC is living in Margate. Yeah. Um, okay, so thinking about the more wider view and what the government could be doing or, you know, sort of mm-hmm. wider, what needs to change mm-hmm. to make it a realistic goal for for young people to buy? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's comes back to the point around regulation that we were having um capping rent so people like are able to save as well as as well as feeding lining the pockets of these, you know, these giants. Um and regulating like the housing market and the, the the prices which are just like skyrocketing it's like it's out of control it's out of control and it's completely pushing people who have grown up in those areas known those areas love those areas out and like welcoming in a generation of these 
yuppies that are like changing all of these places that we knew and loved. So definitely there needs to be some regulation. Um, more like schemes and support um, programs, I guess. I know that obviously like the help to buy is like a government uh, kind of led thing, but anything which can really help people to save or can top people up or can match what, what people yeah. are saving um, would be great. But we're living in a really difficult like political time we're living under a conservative government um so there's there's just so much there's almost there almost has to be a revolution mm. around tenants rights mm. you know because it seems so stacked in the opposite direction mm. you know there should be tenants rights that are actually enforced like on the continent on the continent there is more a tradition of people renting mm. and having a sense that that is their home and they've mm. got it for a decade mm. or 15 years whereas Right now in London, it's six months, it's one year, and off you go. And it's so insecure. Yeah. And, you know, the tenant doesn't feel like they've got, they don't any rights. have yeah, any rights. Same. So there almost has to be a revolution to make it fairer, because mm. I can't really see how they're going to build enough accommodation quickly mm. enough. I don't know. It, 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 it's crazy. All... There's a rush. Like there's there are these like housing groups for like people of color, like looking for housing in London, and like generally there's like South London like Facebook group, and people post and like so quickly like I don't know thirty people are like oh my god like can I view it and then and then it's just gone. There's like this mad rush. There is not enough like good sta- like of a good standard of things no, for people isn't. to yeah. Um, which is tough. And then, Michelle, what would you hope for the next generation? So after Liv's generation, what would you hope uh, for them when it comes to I, housing I, and money? I think, um, you know, I'm so impressed with your generation. You're amazing. Thank you. Because so <laughs> so people inventive. talk about millennials like yeah, that. You're so inventive. <laughs> you're so inventive. You're so fierce. I have no worry about the next generation finding solutions. Yeah to address the problems. I have no fear whatsoever. You're awesome. Oh. You're going to do it. Michelle, on that note, <laughs> live little. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. It's been the Future Proof Podcast. The Future Proof Podcast. All views, opinions and recommendations expressed in this podcast are intended as impartial guidance only, without giving specific advice on what you should do based on your personal circumstances. Bud is responsible for the accuracy and quality of the information it provides, but not for any decisions you make based on it.